Keisha Morris at the Faith House, a shelter for women. She had stayed there for several months while recovering from surgeries related to breast cancer treatment. Morris used to live in Frederick. She used to work as a manager for the Goodwill. She used to own a car. But then Morris was diagnosed with breast cancer. Over the course of her treatment, Morris lost her job, her car, and her home. She's still paying off bills from her treatment. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017 and um, just received notice that I was cancer-free. I'm in remission as of um, June of this year. Um, also, um, I have, I'm still going under a whole lot of reconstruction um, due to the cancer, dealing with the breast cancer. So um, basically I am focusing on Getting well and getting back into society. And back into society. <laughs> All right. So after, <laughs> so after you were um, diagnosed with breast cancer, can you tell us a little bit about some of the financial struggles that the cancer treatment brought? Um, yes. Um, well, I had lost my job. Um, wasn't able to go back to work. Um, I lost my apartment. Um, so... Right now, basically, I have some bills that's um, unpaid and some bills that's paid. Um, so I am seeking help with as far as housing and getting help with paying my cancer bills. So we're currently in Faith House right now. And how did you come to be at Faith House? Um, well, um, after I had struggled trying to keep my place and wasn't able to, um, I was told to turn to the Faith House from the Rescue Mission and also my um, oncologist, um, social worker. Um, also, I had went into a mental institution for a while and didn't have anywhere to go when I came out, so I came here for an interview with Terry and Sarah, and they accepted me, and I got accepted. And so how long were you at Faith House? Approximately five months, I believe. All right, and how did having a place like Faith House um, help you go through cancer treatment without having to worry about having a place to live? Oh, my God. Um, it really, really opened up a whole lot of um, space for me. I just felt like everything, I was closed in, and, you know, I didn't have anywhere to turn to. Um, once I turned here, first thing first, um, it got me back in touch with God um, as far as spiritual and mental. Um, I was having a lot of breakdowns, so we have devotions, and devotions keep us um, motivated and focused on what we need to do on a daily basis. Also, they also taught us how to deal with boundaries and learn to um, build boundaries for ourselves. Um, so um, we did a lot of we do a lot of reading, and um, then we have Terry, who's the director. Um, we can come and talk to her anytime and they're always open and willing to listen to what our problems is and take time on a one-on-one -on -one basis here. All right so you mentioned that you had breast you get breast cancer and then um, did you lose your job right away? Um, well what happened was I left out on FMLA and um, I got extended for another three months so I was out total of six months and um, when I went back for my job, they had filled the space and basically told me that the job, my job was no longer available. I was working at Goodwill Industries. Um, but what they did was they asked me to come back as a um, regular employee. 
And then they told me that they just wasn't going to hire me back. So um, I struggled after that and had a lot of downfalls and difficulties. And when you were first diagnosed with uh, breast cancer, did you realize what kind of financial difficulties would come with it? I had no idea. The medication that I was on, the Pajetta and the Herceptin, is very, very expensive. And um, um, also the Tamoxifen that I take um, is a very costly medication. So um, right now I'm needing help to recover from my losses. And so um, outside of um, the breast cancer, did you have any complications that caused any more financial hardships? Um, yes, that's why I wasn't able to go back to work because I had a whole lot of um, setbacks. I had a few extra surgeries that I um, wound up having to have. Um, I had caught, um, after I had the first surgery, um, the, sec the, the surgery was didn't go well, so I had to go back and have a full mastectomy. And then I had an uh, expander put in. Then I caught hematoma, and then the expander failed, and I had to go back in October of the same year and have the expander taken out. So each time that it took for me to heal was three months or more. So um, that's how I had lost a job and wasn't able to um, pay my rent or keep up with my bills. And are you able to work right now? No, I'm not. Um, right now, um, I had reconstruction surgery, and I have... Um, some wound care that's going on now that I'm attending to, so I'm under the doctor's care. And with talking with your oncologist or the other people on your team for going through breast cancer treatment, did they ever talk about financial assistance or? Yes, uh -huh. I applied for financial assistance, and a lot of um, some of my bills got paid through financial assistance, and some of them was just left out. So. Um, and how about any other nonprofits in Frederick? Yes, I did. I got. Um, um, breast, some breast cancer societies stepped up to help me. They paid. They helped me pay my um, my um, rent and my electric bill, and also they had given me gift cards for food. And so, um, a lot of them did step up. Also, um, the um, religious coalition stepped up and helped me as far as gave me rent assistance. Rent assistance. Also, I would like to say the. Um, Give thanks to the um, oh my goodness, can't think of the other one. Um, can't think of the other one, but it was another place that I had also went to. That so uh, quite a few places here in Frederick nonprofit has really helped me as much as they could. But you know, the funds is for everybody, so I you know, I had to. And so you mentioned that you are still looking for housing. So what is your housing situation right now? Um, right now I'm staying with a friend. I'm still homeless. Um, and are you hoping to live here in Frederick? Yes, I am. All right. Um, and so when you came to Faith House, you said you stayed here for about five months? Yes. And so um, besides um, reconnecting to God and having the services here, were you, were you still in treatment while you were here? Um, yes. Um, well, no, not treatment, but um, I, was I had just had surgery when I came. So I was preparing for the surgery that I just had three months ago. So um, I was still healing from the last surgery so that I could move on to the next surgery. And I also had one more surgery to go. And how many total surgeries is that? Seven. All right, so in seven and how many years? <laughs> one and a half, I believe. 
Um, and so with all those, is it all in the same area or were there surgeries to, uh, in different parts of your body? Um, well, the first surgery was to um, put the port in and then it started going from there. So um, I had a, I had a, the port put in, I had a, um, a lumpectomy, then I had to turn around and have a mastectomy, then I caught hematoma, and then I, then I um, had, the expander had to be taken out in October, and then the next year, that was 2018, so 2019, I just had reconstruction on my left breast. And do you think people will realize what goes into breast cancer treatment? No. It's very hard. And so what do you think needs to be done to raise more awareness about some of the financial hardships and what goes into breast cancer treatment? Um, I want to say to help make sure that people doesn't lose their jobs, maybe secure jobs a little bit more. Um, also um, help people more with housing. Um, I don't know. I know it's hard and everybody's going to need help and a lot of people is catching cancer, but um, at the end of the day, you know, um, we're pushed out to nothing and it's hard, especially for a person like me that worked all my life and now I cannot work and then I'm waiting on disability and that's another issue that takes a very long time, a process that you have to go through. They need to speed that process up dealing with um, the disability, um, Social Security. Um, people have to wait so long and then go to hearings and while they're waiting is who's who's helping and taking care of them, taking care. And that's why I'm I'm a victim to that as well because I don't have any income. Um, and in terms of um, Frederick County, do you think that there are enough resources right now for people in your situation? No, they need they need more resources. They need more resources to help. And that's another thing I noticed that, um, and they're all connected to one. So if you get a little bit from this one, then you get a little bit from this one. But this one, they they're all connected. So they need to open up more, and. You know, also with housing as well, too, they don't have any one-bedroom apartments available in Frederick. And as I was told, when I talked to the um, the manager, she told me that it would be um, uh, four, they're on a four-year back backup list for one-bedroom apartments for disabled people or one-bedrooms, period. Um, and, and where did you get most of your cancer treatment? At the John Stockman's Cancer and so you were able to stay local? Yes, I was. And I had a very good team that helped me as well. Um, Dr. O'Connor, um, I had um, a, a very good team <laughs> that helped me, mainly Dr. O'Connor. So I want to say thanks to him, a whole lot him and his team did a very good job. All right. Well, I think you've answered all my questions, but anything thank else you think I should know? Um, no, I just want to say thank God and... Um, um, Cancer is a number one factor here in America, and um, we just need to make sure that we're focusing more. I know that the treatments have gotten better, but now we need, as, as the patients, need to be treated better. At the James Stockman Cancer Institute, where Morris was treated, cost is on the top of the minds of Irene Hollis and Jody Gerber. Hollis and Gerber joined me in the studio to talk about how the cost of treatment is discussed at the Institute with patients. Um, my name is Jody Gerber. I'm one of the clinical oncology social workers at the James M. Stockman Cancer Institute. And um, I'm one of the social workers at the Institute that is there to help support the patients for emotional support, 
course, stress management, relaxation resources to help lessen stress, um, help with communication between all the different team members, and um, there to help them get through this with the least amount of stress as possible. And that's different for everyone in regards to what their needs are and desires and what they need to help them get through it. I'm Irene Hollis. I'm the Oncology Financial Counselor at the Stockman Cancer Institute, and I'm there to help the patients get through their um, insurance uh, questions that they have, what the cost is going to be for their care, and any assistance that's there for them. I'd apply that to the different copay assistance foundations for them. All right. Can I add something? Mm-hmm. Um, us social workers are also there to just to help to help our patients adjust to the illness and to everything that comes with that. Um, and their family members as well, because it affects the whole family, not just the patient. All right. So when it comes to uh, cancer, like breast cancer, um, just since it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, do you think people are aware of what kind of financial troubles that they might walk into once they're diagnosed with something like breast cancer? I think the first thing that hits them is, um, what is it going to cost me? I hear it's expensive from other people, and what they have to realize is they have if they have insurance, there's a maximum amount that they will be charged. And usually it's something just in small amounts, but then it can build up on them, and we try and help them the best we can to get through all of that. And I believe, I believe Irene's correct there. The first thing they think of is insurance. What's covered, what's not, how's it going to cost, how much is it going to cost me? And then the other financial piece, the financial stressors we see a lot with our patients that they don't think about or are aware of until they start going through it is the financial stressors of the, the two income families going down to one income. The extra expense with, um, depending on how far they are from our institute, how, how many miles do they have to travel? How often do they have to come here each month? That adds up the cost of gas. It adds up with the cost of basic everyday, everyday expenses. If you have more money, if you have less money coming in and you have more bills and you have, um, you have extra medical bills because your insurance doesn't cover everything, well, then you're gonna, it's going to affect your, maybe the money you have to pull from to pay utility bills and rent and mortgage and food and gas money. Um, not to mention the cost of deductibles and co-pays for insurance, um, child care. Um, plenty of our patients, a lot of, a lot of people are two-income families, and they may have to go down to one-income family, or they may have to cut their hours, or they may have to take leave, and they may not have enough leave, or short, they don't have the benefits possibly of short-term disability or long-term disability if they have to use that. So where's the money coming from? Not everyone has savings. Not everyone is able to have enough savings to help with some of these crises, this on a rainy day kind of thing. And they may not have enough family or friends that can help them. And some people have no one, and that's a, that can increase it even more. So there's a lot of financial stressors that people don't even think about, um, not to mention if you're, it affects your body image and you lose weight or you gain weight because of the side effects of the treatment, you might have to get a new wardrobe. Or you might have to, um, at some point possibly, get some equipment to help you, um, depending on where you are with your breast cancer. Um, That could cost money if insurance doesn't cover it. You might need extra supplements to help you gain weight or maintain weight. That could cost money. Um, 
insurance doesn't cover everything. Um, so there's a lot of extra expenses, um, even down to like childcare. If you need to have someone, maybe you're at the center for hours, um, or you're coming here often and, and you don't have enough support, so you might have to hire more people to help pick up your kids in childcare if you don't have enough people that can do that without any cost. Um, all of that costs extra money. And the same thing with those some patients have hair loss. They want they want to have a wig or some hats and scarves to help help them with how they're looking. That can, that's a huge stressor, and that can cost money if there isn't some programs out there to help you. Um, so there's all kinds of financial stressors that are that breast cancer patients have. So let's just first start with insurance. Mm-hmm. So if I am diagnosed with breast cancer and understanding that insurance varies depending on your plan and every case is individual. In general, what can I expect will be covered by my health insurance if I have an average or good insurance plan? Okay, if you had an average insurance plan, a good one, um, they cover the surgeon, the surgery. Um, there's a portion that you would have to pay. If there's a deductible, you'd have to meet that. And some of it's low. It depends on your policy. Um, then you'd have to be paying your specialist fees when you see whichever doctor you're going to need, the oncologist, the radiation oncologist. Each time you go to a doctor, there may be a fee that's associated with that. Uh, When you come for um, your infusions for your chemotherapy, there's going to be a copay possibly associated with that. And also for radiation therapy, there are times that uh, there's a daily copay, and that's a daily charge for... um, her insurance. It's all a maximum amount that they would have out of pocket, so it does build up for them. And wherever they have to go, if they have to go for um, lymphedema therapy, that's another cost that may be associated with them. So when people hear about these expensive chemotherapy drugs or immunotherapy drugs, do those tend to be covered by insurance? Yes. Okay. Um, Quite often we have copay assistance programs. It depends upon the drug itself that we can help them with or foundation assistance that we seek out. All right. And then in, in terms of the people that you do uh, work with, do most have good insurance or average insurance, or are you dealing with a lot of people who are underinsured? Um, it varies. Uh, there's a very, it's a difference. You go from some with very little to those who have Medicare and a supplement, and they're fully covered at that point. But patients that are in between with the insurance, with the deductible, and the high out-of-pocket cost, they will have, there's going to be some debt incurred there. And on average, how many surgeries does a person generally have? That I cannot answer. Okay. <laughs> um, and then to switch back to the, the other costs that are not covered by insurance, um, so I guess for every time that they have to come and pay, see a specialist, they're also then paying gas and driving Exactly. Um, some patients have frequent appointments uh, every month. If they're, if they're coming to our Cancer Institute for systemic treatment like chemotherapy or immunotherapy or radiation oncology, if they come for radiation oncology, a lot of times they're here five days a week, Monday through Friday, for anywhere from three to six, three to six or seven weeks. It depends on the patient with their particular type of breast cancer. And that's, um, that's a lot of times coming to, to our institute. That's a lot of gas. And if someone's traveling, you know, 20 to 30 miles away, some people travel an hour to get to us. Um, that adds up when you have limited money, especially if your income's been affected. And um, 
you don't have enough savings. So um, that's a big factor there. It's also a big factor on how many hours, how many days you take off work. Um, and that's also for the caregiver or the spouse. Sometimes some patients need someone coming with them sometimes. And that affects, could affect the income of the spouse or the significant other or the caregiver if someone is, is that at that point at some level in their breast cancer where they have a caregiver. Not everyone obviously doesn't need that if it's um, an early stage breast cancer. And so for someone who comes and gets diagnosed with breast cancer, how soon are they going to start talking with you or about finances, with insurance, or with you about um, all the different financial stressors? Okay, um, for the ones who are starting treatment, that's when I meet with them, when they're going to start their chemotherapy, when they're taught about the drugs that they'll be receiving. Um, that's the point where I'm going to sit with them and review all their insurance. And with those who go through radiation treatment, if I hadn't met them before, I would meet them at the start of their treatment. Um, as social workers, to help assess and determine what the psychosocial concerns and issues are, um, we also, as social workers at the James M. Stockman Cancer Institute, we meet all the new patients, whether they're getting systemic treatment like chemotherapy or immunotherapy or whether they're getting radiation therapy we do that all there at the institute so we meet all the new patients to assess what their needs are their strengths and we are assessing and exploring if they're feeling there would be any financial obstacle or whether they're having any financial stress in other areas because sometimes when patients come to us not everything is going okay they have things are still happening they might have financial stressors at the time of their diagnosis and, and they may need extra help right there in the beginning because they're already seeing the, how it's affecting them. They might have had to, especially with breast cancer, a lot of patients come to us after their surgery and they have to recover from that so that they could be already starting to feel the effects of financial stressors there in regarding a lack of income and more expenses. Um, so we see every new patient um, wherever they might be in the institute for their treatment planning session and then we see them um, usually tr we check on them uh, if they're getting systemic treatment at their first day of chemo or immunotherapy, and then we may see them more often, some more times, depending on what their needs are. Every patient's different. Some patients we see quite often because they, have, they may have limited supports, limited financial resources, and they may have other things that are happening during their treatment that we get called in to help lessen their stress and help them adjust and cope and um, maybe they need more resources at different times during their treatment. Um, and some people we may only see once or twice because they have good resources, they have good support, they're coping well, and um, they have some savings when you're talking about financial stressors. Um, so it just depends on the patient. Yeah, but they can come in knowing that, oh, everything's fine with me, I have no worries, and during the course of treatment all of a sudden we're getting that phone call, I need help and they'll call either the social workers or myself just so that they can get things going. Right, exactly, because a lot of people have no clue what they need when we first meet them. And a lot of people are in shock, and, and, and they need time to absorb the diagnosis and what it all means. And sometimes they don't know what that all means until they start going through it, and then it, they see how it affects them financially and how it's affecting their work, or maybe they think they can work. And plenty of people do. But for some patients, they have to 
cut their hours or they have to go to part-time or they might need to take Family Medical Leave Act or take short-term disability. It just depends on what their treatment plan is and how they're adjusting and how it's affecting their body. And um, for those people who don't expect to go there, because most people don't plan on going there, but sometimes side effects complications can affect that. And that can be a big shock. And then they're asking for help. And they're and so the important thing is open communication with your, your doctor, your nurse navigator, your social worker, financial counselor. And that's what we try to do at the Institute. We make sure people know what all of us do so you know who's available um, when you need us. And that's why we also try to check on patients regularly and we try to work as a team. So we bring in the healthcare professional that's available depending on what the need is, when the need is there. And that may not be... It may not all be so urgent right in the beginning. It could be during the treatment at some point, depending on how they're coping and adjusting and what the complications or side effects of the treatment are. But So it's very unique and different for everyone. And talk about the psychological effects a little bit. So first you found out that you're diagnosed with breast cancer, which is already a horrible thing to find out. How does the stress of having to know I'm going to have to pay for this. How does that affect a person's state of mind as they're going through breast cancer treatment? Well, that's also different for the patient, but it's very normal that people um, could be in shock. They could be anxious. They could be angry, angry that they have this, angry that there's not all those resources that they feel there should be. Um, They may feel that they thought there was insurance covered everything, and they may find that it doesn't. Um, They may find that there's programs out there to help them in the community or within the Frederick Health System, and maybe they don't qualify financially. Um, So there's all kinds of different things that they could be feeling, but it's very normal to have a kind of be on a roller coaster with your emotions. So you may feel you need some time to absorb the, the diagnosis. And so it's not uncommon to be sad, be scared, nervous, anxious, um, angry. Um, those are very common emotions, and it, it's different for everyone how, what the intensity of that is and how long those, someone might experience those emotions. But it also could be um, one, you know, one moment you're okay, one day you're do- feeling fine, and then something, some other stressor hits you or some other news that might yeah. even be, not even be related to your cancer because life keeps happening. And when you hit more stressors that come on to you, that can add more emotions and more stressors. Um, so you can see different emotions at different times. But it's very also, if they have enough supports and resources, which we try to make sure they're aware of, and we try to make sure they're utilizing what we're able to provide for them as they need it and desire it. Um, sometimes things happen that they don't expect, and um, we want to make sure they know what's available to them and help them if they desire help and help coordinate or refer or educate or help them kind of navigate through it. All right. And in terms of um, the patients who come in, you've mentioned that some will have to step back on their hours or go down a part-time. Maybe they'll have to stop their work. So if you are no longer able to work your full-time, what does that do to a person's finances by they're trying to go through this? If uh, For those patients that may not be able to work full-time and have to either take a leave for a while or um, change their hours to part-time, um, financially that can be a huge factor because even though people people may have savings not everyone has savings not everyone plans for a rainy day not everyone's capable or have 
the ability to do that. Some people are struggling with everyday life when they are diagnosed with cancer. And so you can't automatically, where you're gonna get, you can't get that money then. And then some people, unfortunately, don't have enough family and friends to be there to help them, or those family and friends are struggling. Um, some people don't have connections in the community, and that might limit who might be able to help them. And then there are some people that are used to being um, handling everything themselves. They're very self-sufficient and independent, and it's just out of their comfort zone to ask for help. So we do see people like that who say they have no needs. They're doing fine. They'll get through this. And they it might be really hard for them to ask for help, even to us, to the financial counselor and us social workers and their nurses, and they may not tell us. And so we we don't know if someone doesn't let us know what their needs are. Um, some people are very uncomfortable asking for help, and a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. And so that's why we at the Institute we want to make sure they know in the very beginning who their team is and what we do in hopes that they will reach out to us when they have a need. And that's another reason why we all work together as a team, communicating what our patients' needs are because the nurse navigator or the financial counselor might hear something that someone's struggling with that I can help with as a social worker, and we, we want to work together to get that need met or at least make sure they're aware that we're here and this is how we can help you if you want help in this area. And the same things. Same thing's true that I might hear something that they're struggling with financially, and I know that it, Irene's the expert on that. So I'm going to go to her and say, hey, they're talking about this. They're under stress in this area. Can you help them? And um, so if we all working together interdisciplinary, hopefully we'll meet the needs of our patients as they desire it sooner than later to help lessen their stress. And how would insurance, how does that affect, get affected if somebody can't continue working or has to go from part-time instead of full-time? Some places they do lose their insurance and I work with them right away to try and get them other coverage and see where we can get them fit in um, and just take care of them throughout this whole treatment because we're not going to stop just because the insurance ends. We continue helping them and um, there are other resources for them and we just have to see it's individual. It depends on the case um, and where they are with all of their treatment as to what we can do for them. There are services that are out in the community um, that we just have to rely on to help. We work, um, we are connected with a couple of nonprofit community foundations out there who do great jobs at fundraising for our cancer patients who are getting active treatment. And um, they have helped many of our patients with financial stressors like co-pays, um, utility bills, food, gas, money. Um, there, there, there's a lot of, a couple foundations out there that are just excellent in helping our patients. Um, but they're limited because they're nonprofits. But sometimes we do use them, and we actually use them quite often. And they've helped a lot of our patients to lessen some stress while they're going through their treatments. Um, so there is a couple, there's a, a couple resources out there, but um, resources are lacking. Um, some people some people feel that are under the impression sometimes that there's all kinds of help out there. It's uh, unfortunately there isn't. There's only a couple funds and and foundations that can help with some of the basic everyday expenses that patients go through and also with prescriptions and medications. There's only so much help out there. So just since it is breast cancer awareness month and you know people wear pink and they put the the ribbons up and there's um Frederick kind of goes pink with some of the light bulbs. 
But do you think that if you're not going through breast cancer, if you're just someone who's supporting people um, in general with breast cancer, do you think that they are aware that there's all this financial consideration when you're diagnosed with something like breast cancer? I don't believe so. I, I believe most people, unless they've gone through it themselves and are, are, are in the helping field of healthcare, working with cancer patients, or have known a close family member or friend who have gone through it, so they've seen it firsthand, what they experience, uh, most people probably don't realize it or get what um, they go through regarding financial stress. Um, you just, a lot of people don't think about things like that unless they're right in the midst of it. And so what can be done to, I don't know, to either help raise more awareness about the costs or even help people who are dealing with these costs from the general public? I think, well, education obviously is the most important thing. Um, more education about um, what's what breast cancer patients go through. Um, at the Stockman Cancer Institute, we do a breast cancer symposium um, every October, and there's various experts and healthcare professionals that speak. Um, and there are times that someone does speak about um, financial needs during those programs. Um, there's a lot of organizations out there that, a lot of, a lot of organizations for breast cancer out there that aren't even related to us that are nationally known and um, and they do a lot of they do some things to educate people about everything from psychosocial needs to about their breast cancer to um, some financial assistance programs so there's um, of all the cancers breast cancer is the one that has a lot of foundations and groups out there that help with all kinds of different things and and that's something as a social worker that we make sure our patients are aware of in case they want to in case they qualify or in case they want to utilize that to lessen some of their concrete financial stressors. And is there anything that a person can do with their insurance, even if they aren't diagnosed with breast cancer, just in case they ever do come up, get diagnosed with something like breast cancer or some other cancer diagnosis? Just make sure you have all the coverage that you need. Um, and this, when you have... When a patient has cancer, it's not right there in the front of your insurance. You have to look into the policy to see what your coverage is, and that's where a lot of patients have been shocked because uh, it's not there, and um, it's just having the right kind of coverage. There there are some, and it depends whether your your employer offers it, or and um, there's some critical illness insurance plans out there that costs extra money, extra premiums, and not everyone has the extra money to mm -hmm. put out for that. And so some companies offer that and some don't, but they could be independent and you can get it. But again, not everyone has the extra money to pay that extra insurance policy to cover some of the what ifs when you have or dealing with a critical illness like breast cancer or your loved one is dealing with that. That can help um, with the caregiver too. Um, but those are out there, but not everyone has the extra money to pay for it. All right. Well, since open enrollment is coming up and, and, and with the turn of the year, people will be looking at their own insurances. What are some things that you recommend that you do look at for those who might not fully understand how to interpret their insurance plans? <laughs> for some of the patients that I have met with, um, they're saying, well, I have to change my insurance. And I said, well, you're going to get hit with these costs one way or another, either upfront when you're paying for the premium or when you're going through the treatment, you're going to have a low, if you have a low deductible, you're going to pay for that somewhere else. Um, what can you afford? Let's look at your um, benefits that you have right now. Um, what's it going to be like if you have to have this expense all the time? Where are you going to be able to get that money? 
And I don't really advise them as to what insurance to get. I can't do that. That's their own business as to how they're going to choose that. But it's just making sure you have the coverage because it's easier to get through this, even if there's that expense of a total out-of-pocket, than to have something that you don't know how much it's going to be in the end if you don't have a top dollar amount that you're going to end up spending. And we're there helping them. That's the whole thing, getting them through it. All right. Well, I think you've answered all my questions, but anything else you think we should know? Um, I think it's um, one of the things people don't realize is that there are a lot of psychosocial stressors, such as financial stressors and emotional stressors when you go through cancer and the treatment of the cancer. And I think it's really important that people seek out places that um, address that and realize that those are issues and have the the expertise of healthcare professionals there that can deal with that. Not every place cancer treatment center has um, social workers and financial counselors. And um, because we have that at our institute, it really helps tremendously in lessening the stress of our patients who go through um, these treatments. And um, it helps them get through it a little easier um, where they might be adjusting and coping a little bit better because they have a connection and they have someone to lean on or turn to to help guide them, educate them, navigate them, or connect them to appropriate resource to get that help financially. Um, that's very important. So I would encourage and empower people to you know, ask questions when they're um, seeking out help and find places that address all those too because it's, those are very important too when you go through treatment. You have... It, cancer affects the whole person, um, so you need usually help in other areas as well a lot of times to help you get through it the best you can with the least amount of stress. It's all, you know, it's important to have self-care and have help and people available to you. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. In reporting this story, I spoke with multiple experts who say stories like Morris's are not uncommon. People don't always know about the costs associated with breast cancer treatment. In just researching the article, I came across multiple news stories telling other tales of people who lost their homes because of hefty medical bills associated with breast cancer. And as someone pointed out in the comments section, yes, I do read those sometimes, this is not unique to cancer. A 2016 survey by the Kaiser Family Foundation and the New York Times found 62% of people that struggle to pay medical bills have insurance, and up to 62% of bankruptcies may be caused by medical debt. The Frederick News Post will continue to report on healthcare challenges faced by the community. Feel free to contact me at hmangilio at newspost.com or 240-215-8609. That's H M as in Mary, O, N as in Nancy, G-I-L-I-O at newspost.com or 240-215-8609. Now to switch to something a little bit more lighthearted, we have food and education reporter Katrina Pereira here to tell us about her latest review. So Katrina, where did you eat this week? So this week I ate at the Main Cup in Middletown. Okay, so just from the start, because of the name, is it a coffee shop? It is not. (laughs) You would think from the name and their logo that it is, but it's actually not. It's more of like a bar and grill. Very interesting. So what did you eat there? Um, So I tried a bunch of different things. Their menu is pretty – they have a lot of variety on their menu. Um, Everything from crab cakes to quesadillas. 
Um, so I tried a lot of different things. Um, when I spoke with the owner, he mentioned that one of their most popular items is their mini surf and turf, which is essentially two mini crab cake sandwiches, two mini uh, cheeseburger sliders, and fries. So tried that. And your thoughts on that? It was good. Um, it's a lot of carbs <laughs> in one dish. Um, but no, it was good. Um, you know, I think it's a... I, I can understand why it's their most popular. And then crab cakes are pretty important to Marylanders. So if you have crab cakes on your menu, you've, you've got to be pretty good at it. So what did you think? Um, so I had their crab cakes twice. Um, once in the mini surf and turf. And then I also had just their regular crab cake sandwich. Um, the crab cakes were really meaty, really thick, uh, no filler at all. But I was a little disappointed by the lack of seasoning in them. I was kind of waiting for that, you know, typical Maryland, like, Old Bay spice to, like, hit my mouth. And it never really did. And I thought the crab cakes were a little bland. Um, But they're pretty meaty, so. All right. And what else did you try? Um, So one of their most popular salads is their strawberry salmon salad. And when I first heard the name, I was like, hmm, strawberries and salmon weird combo i went in skeptical but i was actually really surprised at how good it was it's um a really big bowl of you know like mixed greens um sliced strawberries almonds and then a whole filet of salmon just kind of like gingerly placed on top and it was extremely filling i ended up eating the entire thing so it does sound like they've got a lot of variety just from what you tasted definitely um anything that really stood out that made you just say wow they're lettuce wraps, actually. Um, I was sitting at the bar one time and I just, I asked the bartender, I said, what is one of your most popular appetizers? And she said, the lettuce wraps. So I tried them and they were really good. You can um, choose to get chicken or salmon in them, but I actually just chose to have them as is. So the filling is like a mixture of Brussels sprouts, bacon, um, like other leafy greens, Parmesan, all kind of tossed in this like sweet vinaigrette. And then you put in the lettuce wrap and you, you know, wrap it up. And it was really good. Um, The bacon is like a really nice, it adds like a really nice saltiness to an otherwise very sweet uh, mixture. Well, that sounds very good. And so what was the atmosphere like in the service like? Service was really good. Um, Atmosphere is like kind of like a typical casual bar um there is a main dining room so you know if you don't feel like sitting at the bar that's fine you can sit in the main dining room um but the bar is really laid back um i went on like a saturday night you know and it was just pretty chill and when you were there at the bar did you get any drinks i did i had a beer um they have um a couple beers on draft and i mean a very large selection of like wine and they have a full bar so you can pretty much find anything you want all right, perfect. Anything else you think we should know about the main cup? Um, they have a back parking lot, so don't feel mm-hmm. like you need to park on the street because they do have a parking lot in the back. Well, like, I think that's very important in some of the Middletown roads. Yes, definitely. And again, it might be called main cup, but it's <laughs> not, not a not coffee, coffee shop. shop. <laughs> perfect, Katrina. Thank you so much for coming in. <laughs> thank you. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Mangilio, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week.